0: In the New Testament, our studies continue in the book of Romans in chapter 2, continuing now at verse 17. I'll give you the context and make sure we know where we are in this study of Romans. And from here into chapter 3, I remind you that the primary subject remains the same. The problem in the human race is sin, Jew, Gentile, The problem is sin. The gospel was given to address that problem. Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ, writing to Christians in Rome. After affirming that the gospel is the power of God to save, he sets about the task of showing what the problem is. The problem is sin. In chapter 2, Paul is responding to the typical Jewish mentality of that time, that while the Gentiles were guilty of sin, some Jews thought they were immune, or they were better, or they were exempt. Paul addresses that. I'm in Romans 2, 17 through 29. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law, And boast in God and know His will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law. And if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then. Who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart. But by the Spirit, not by the letter, his praise is not from man, but from God. I've used the phrase a couple of times in previous classes, typical Jewish mentality of the time of Paul. Verse 17 directly and boldly addresses this. The attitude of many Jews in the time of Christ was, we are Jews. We have the law of Moses. We boast in our confidence in God. Over in Matthew chapter 3, where John the Baptist came preaching to the Jewish people, telling them of their sin, Pharisees and Sadducees acted like they didn't need to hear the message. They didn't need to repent. They were sons of Abraham. That was the typical attitude of immunity, thinking they were holier or exempt because of their ethnicity. Both Jesus and Paul responded to that attitude to make certain the Jews understood They were guilty of sin, and they needed the gospel just like the Gentiles, and that's what Paul is doing here in verses 17 through the end of chapter 2. What was happening was Jews would see sin clearly in Gentiles, but were blind to their own involvement in the same sins. And the point is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are in your nationality or blood or culture, or how well your situation has been with God in the past in terms of having his written law and being instructed. If you cannot see your own sin, no matter how vocal you are about the sins of others, your guilt remains. I want us to notice the question in verse 21. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? This may remind you of that old expression, practicing what you preach. There were prominent Jewish teachers who could very well articulate every moral teaching of the Old Testament and they had students who made A's and who memorized those teachings. They were quick to see how others were not following those teachings, but they were guilty of doing the same things and therefore proving the point that Paul made back in the first part of chapter 2. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. You with me? You see that? Paul is very specific. Even if you teach against idolatry, if you rob temples, you are a sinner just like the idolaters. Even if you preach hundreds of sermons against adultery, If you are involved in an adulterous affair, you are guilty. You're not practicing what you preach. What you preach doesn't cancel the guilt of what you do when you do what you preach against. See, you can learn the law and teach others the law and boast about how holy the law is and boast about how holy you are and issue stern, articulated rebukes to sinners of every kind. But if you're violating the law you uphold, your guilt remains. Jew, Gentile, everybody has the problem. The problem is sin. Verse 24 is a blistering indictment against the typical Jewish attitude back then of immunity. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you as it is written throughout the Gentile world, Jewish hypocrisy and self-righteousness encouraged blasphemy against God. They, They were supposed to be holy, a holy nation, God's people, God's family. But because of their sin, their hypocrisy, they actually encouraged Gentiles to hold God in contempt. By their conduct, they disgraced the God they named. The quotation comes from Isaiah 52 and verse 5, and there in the Old Testament, Isaiah was making essentially the same point Paul is making in Romans 2. When God's people act like the rest of the world, they encourage contempt for God, an awful state of affairs. Once again, don't lose sight of the point here. The problem is sin. That's the problem the gospel addresses, whether that sin is found in Jews or in Gentiles. 25 through 29, the last part of Romans chapter 2. 25 through 29. <coughs> Circumcision. Circumcision. Let's remember this was a God-given sign and seal of his covenant with the Jews. The earliest reference to circumcision is in Genesis 17, a ratification of an agreement. Leviticus 12 shows it was required under Mosaic law. Here is the problem. In the evolution of Jewish thought and tradition over time, circumcision was exalted or emphasized far beyond its original intent in the law of Moses. It became an institutional ritual and took on the tone or association of some assurance if in your family males had this done. The truth is circumcision was never intended to be permanent insurance coverage against the wrath of God. It was part of the Mosaic law, but was not a substitute for obedience otherwise. Yet the Jews developed an almost superstitious confidence in the saving power of male circumcision. In Jewish rabbinic literature, there were epigrams or quotes showing how they exaggerated the religious act of circumcision. Here's an example, circumcised men do not descend into Gehenna. Or here's another example, circumcision will deliver Israel from Gehenna. So there was a false assurance that they placed on a single ritual of circumcision. In this last paragraph of chapter 2, Paul counters this false assurance His first statement is, circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. If you're not going to obey the law of Moses as a Jew should, being circumcised has zero profit. No profit, no value, certainly no salvation. Paul doesn't argue against the ordinance itself. It was a practice given by God through the law of Moses for Jews during the time before Christ. Paul's point is, by itself, without the desire and effort to keep the rest of the law, circumcision means nothing. Verse 25, circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has really become uncircumcision. You see what this is all about? The Jews found assurance in their name, their law, their nation, their ability to teach, and their insistence on circumcision. Paul is saying these things provide no exemption from guilt if you've sinned. And Paul says you have. And then in the rest of chapter 2, verses 26 down through verse 29, I think there's one main point. And the point of this can be studied through one simple question. What really matters? Obedience from the heart to the law of God. Blood, birth, nationality, tradition, circumcision, your resume as a teacher, your ability to rebuke others, these things offer no advantage if you don't obey God. The details of the debate may be a little hard to grasp when you first read the passage and you concentrate on the details, but the main point of all this is not difficult to see. Gentiles left God and kept going. Jews, in spite of their pride, their blood, traditions, and circumcision were also guilty of sin. Paul is taking us Paul is taking his readers to a grand conclusion. Man needs the gospel because of sin. Jews, Gentiles, in chapter 3, verse 23, all have sinned and do fall short of the glory of God. Before I finish, some life lessons for us. What we call ourselves and what we boast about has no power to save us. These people call themselves Jews, but they were not living according to the standard God gave them. We can call ourselves or identify ourselves any way we want, but in the absence of genuine faith and obedience to God, we cannot make any claims or boast of righteousness. It is all right to call yourself a Christian, but what should accompany the claim is the conduct. Making claims, boasting, accusing others, all of that kind of hypocrisy never results in praise from God, and praise from God is what we seek. The passage does not say, don't teach and don't rebuke sinners. That's not the point. We ought to read and study and learn and teach others, and we ought to do all we can to help others out of their error. The issue being addressed here is self-righteousness and hypocrisy. When we believe we're so great because we have knowledge and we can see sins in others and we can call that out, yet we're guilty of the same things. Most important from this text, I want us to consider how hypocrisy can lead people away from God. It can contribute to unbelief and blasphemy in others. I want to give you an example of this that will be disturbing. Uh, There are prominent men, preachers and elders throughout years who have fallen into sin and in some cases were involved in sinful activity for many years. They were calling others out for their sin but they were guilty as well. It gives unbelievers an opportunity to accuse the whole system and scorn the whole idea of Christianity. God is holy. We are his people. The world should see in us our connection to the Father. Romans chapter 2. 17 through 29. Thank you for taking advantage of this opportunity to study with us the Word of God. We are the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas.